get ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello, another welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. My name is Fergus. Um, I am the host of the show. I'm joined by my three muckers, uh, my sidekick, Laguna Hilsey, all the way back from Norway, full of dried, salty, smelly fish. Um, also, uh, from Denmark, uh, we got Danish schooner Alex, and uh, back hopefully with a bit of a voice, uh, we got Capo Dan. Uh, how are we doing? Let's start with Dan and, and let's see how the voice is. Dan, how is that voice? I'm able to speak, which is a good sign. I am a little bit croaky <laughs> and uh, coughing out every now and again, but yeah, I'm surprised at how how good it is. I think it's because I didn't sing the whole way home, so uh, saving it for Thursday and then for Sunday. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, but you know what? You did sing. You did sing quite a bit. Uh, what, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Is it this one? Oh no! Yeah. Honestly, this song. This song, honestly, is ringing in my ears. Every couple of minutes, everywhere I go, Capo Dan is singing. Even before we went live, he was going. And Alex, you were even singing it. Yeah, it just sticks sticks in your head. By the way, that can was full of water, by the way. There was nothing else in that can. Yeah, right, okay, okay. Um... Uh, yeah, some people in the chat. We got Tony in the chat. We got Heath. We got Ruth, and we got Terry. Uh, Terry asked a question of you, uh, Trev. He asked where the prawn sandwiches were. You came back from Bodo. Uh, first and foremost, before we talk about the prawn sandwiches, everybody wants to know how did you get on with the scarf? How did you get on with the scarf? Oh, got on. I'm gutted. I meant to put it on the wall behind me tonight because I'm in my new Arsenal room now, so I'm all settled in. Um, every European away game, I get an half-and-half half scarf. I think the ones in the UK, in England, are a bit, bit sickly, really, and the thought of wearing one honestly turns my stomach. But when you're travelling to European away games, to these far-off places, I think they're a nice little memento. So I'm not shy of saying that I buy one. I've got a Bodo Arsenal one, and uh, it'll go in with the others in my little hall of I don't think anybody has an issue where you get the an European, and especially the Bodo one, because the chances of us, us playing Bodo again in our lifetimes is probably very, very slim. But it was just the fact of how you were caught out by the, the beautiful Donna. And she's gone, 30 quid for a scarf! <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. I don't think she'd be watching that little pod. Well, it went on for longer than we thought, didn't it? That little show we did. Um, yeah, I was on lunch. Yeah, I, she's now, I'm, but I'm in the good books. I never wasn't in the good books, but I'm really in the good books now. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, um, you did you did end up in in corporate, which meant you had a roof and you had prawn sandwiches and everything else that Terry and I refer to. But it, is that, how, how did you manage that? Is that due to like, you know, some of your other media work that you've been doing? Yeah, I'm a superstar now. Wherever I go, I'm recognised, Fergus. You know, people pay me to go on their shows and uh, they're desperately trying to get me to move away from here. But they've not offered me enough money yet. The money you give me is still enough to keep me with you, Fergus. 
So don't worry about it, mate. I just fight them all off. It, it, it does me head in a bit, all the attention I get, you know. But you've got, but, a, bit uh, ma- you got, a, bit, you got a bit mainstream as well, aren't you? You're, I think, I don't know if it's BBC or ITV. Can you tell us, like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> holy fool. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, that, that that wasn't me because he got the question wrong. I'd have got that question right without a doubt. <laughs> um, the truth of the matter is, let's, let's put it to bed because the truth of the matter is when I went to collect my ticket, they could find me booking but couldn't find me ticket because they'd printed off everyone's ticket. It's like, I look like a bit of paper, put them all in envelopes. You had to queue up. It worked really well. And when I got to the front, she didn't have me ticket. So she said, yeah, I've... I've I'll print one off and bring it over. So when I got a pint, lovely young lady came over and said, really sorry, your ticket's in here, but you've gone into the Cat 1 seats. So um, it, all that meant was I was sat in a seat with a cover over the top. It was nothing special whatsoever. Um, but it was an enjoyable evening. I was sat with some really good old gooners in there. There was about eight or ten of us sat there. I knew most of them, and it was a lovely evening. It meant I didn't have to talk to Terry, Terry for 90 minutes, which was which was quite pleasant, really, if I'm honest. He, he said he's never enjoyed a, a European away day as much as he did Bodo away. Uh, he said, you know, there may have been 404 there, but having just one less beside them made it made it even better. And listen, um, g- just give us a, a very brief, because we spoke before the game, give us just a brief overview of what it was like and what Bodo was like, uh, what the performance. It was, it was a really hard-fought game. I don't think um, that the, the players could really play properly on that artificial pitch. To sum it up in about 30 seconds, Fergus, I could talk for longer about it, actually, because it's a lovely place, Bodo. Um, it's it's the, one of the only places, the only place I've ever been to where you can get off the plane, walk out the airport, and in 15 minutes walk into the centre of town and find your hotel. Well, maybe 20 minutes on the way back because it was uphill. So And uh, you just walk through this housing estate. All the, all the houses seem to be wooden there, Alex. Um, and... They, we we just walked to our hotel. We had water view rooms. We were made very welcome. Um, the day itself was was very wet. We went down to the stadium. It was very small before the game. And uh, when we got in there, yeah, that we were once again made very welcome. We I, I was sat in with a load of Bodo fans. Um, they were very noisy all game. They should be proud of their support of Bodo. Um, the Arsenal fans were at one end, and it was it was it was from what I'm looking at, Fergus. I'm not too disappointed with the performance. It wasn't the best, right? But I, I honestly, my view honestly is that that pitch didn't help us at all. I just think they held back a little tiny bit, the Arsenal players. they were, Let's put it this way. The Bodo players play on it every week. They've not been beaten at home in Europe in God knows how many years, but quite a long time, you know. No teams have gone there 14, and beaten them. 14, ga- 14 games. There you go. And we went there and we've nicked a goal and we've battled without with mostly reserve side out. I'll tell you what it was like the pitch. Even Saka didn't slide on his knees when we scored. Someone reminded me of that. And Saka always slides on his knees when we scored. He does, yeah. So yeah, I, all in all, Fergus, I wasn't disappointed. One nil to the Arsenal is a is a famous old saying. And and I'll I'll say it for the rest of the season, if you like, one nil with the Arsenal. And we battled and we won, you know, on a pitch that I just felt that our players held back a bit on. Mm. Right, boys, you're going to get a, ne- a word in edgeways now in a second, now that Trevor's had his piece. And anyway, you know, as I was saying, you. right? Going on. <laughs> 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 That's uh, so, look, um, 
Dan, you took the trip up to uh, Leeds. Uh, Trev, you couldn't make it. Um, bits got in the way and stuff. With Ellen Road, 2 p.m. Uh, the lineups, we had a lineup of, uh, let's here we go. We had a lineup of Ramsdale and Goal, Ben White, Saliba, Gabriel, Tommy Asu at left back and later in the game for 15 minutes at right back. Tommy, um, Party, Shaka, Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli and Jesus. So, uh, uh, the same starting 11, 11 as we had as at Liverpool. Um, talk to us about uh, getting up there and, 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 and the, you know, what the feeling was. And, you know, we were on a high where uh, at that point, 11 out of uh, 10 games or what was it? 12 out of 11 games, 11 out of 12 games unbeaten, uh, only lost to Man United. And none of us can understand why. And then talk to us about, the, the power failure. So we're 20, 22 seconds into the game and the power fails. So from being there, explain how it was, Dan. Yeah, I mean, the atmosphere on the way up, I think was quite confident. There was a lot of people, obviously, early start, but quite a lot of beers flowing on the train. And yeah, everyone was in very good spirits. Um, when you come off the back of a win at Liverpool, I think everyone's going to be very, very confident going into the Leeds game. Um it's always a difficult place to go. They're always quite an intense team that want to get in your face and, and you really do have to work hard. But I think there's there's no real issue with this team at the moment in terms of the levels of, of work that they put in. So for me, I'll always back this team to, to be able to grind out a result at the moment and I think it showed. But yeah, in terms of getting there, I think before the game, it was still very quiet in the concourse. It, it didn't feel like an away end until we got out into the ground. But then as soon as we got into the ground in the stands, a lot louder, as you'd expect. Sort of reminded me a bit of the um, Bournemouth away day this year where you know, we got outside and then the fans sort of found their voice. But then we were sort of left with no real announcement in the ground of what was happening. And everyone was sitting there thinking, you know, what, what stopped play? We had literally no idea. And then all of a sudden they had an announcement come over the Tannoy and I think it, it was probably within 15 minutes of that announcement they started to come back out again. So there wasn't that much time. Um, most fans sort of went inside, got a drink, went to the toilet, along those lines. But um, yeah, not not real, not much over the tunnel really until sort of last minute it felt. And Alex, Alex you, you didn't watch the game live because you were at a, a, a Copenhagen derby. Um uh, an away day, which I think did Copenhagen win in the end, or they they drew this they, they equalised in the ninety seventh minute. Right, okay. So um, but but you watched the game afterwards. What did you make of the, uh, the debacle that was uh, the power failure? There wasn't a power failure; it was some failure to do with VAR. And wouldn't you thought they might have like a backup plan, maybe using yeah. flags, whistles? Arm gestures. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was confused at the beginning because I was sat in the stadium and I was trying to keep an eye on the Arsenal game. Um, and I, I got in, I fired up the stream, and there was just they were kicking kicking the ball around, and then they went into the dressing room. So, and then I found out it was the power outage. But um, we had a recent incident uh, in the Danish league as well. But then they just played without the VAR, so they had had a backup plan ready when when they realised they couldn't go through uh, with the VAR, um, which I thought they would have done, but I, I don't know what the procedures are in the Premier League. Um, but yeah, I think looking back at the game now, I'm, I'm quite happy they that we had VAR in that game. And Tre- Trev, like, realistically, they could have gone with Semaphore and 
old school, couldn't they? they, they there's no reason why they shouldn't have. I suppose there could have been, and and we did benefit, and Arteta talks about it and everything else, we did benefit from uh, VAR for once. Um, but common sense should prevail, and they should have played it just old school, don't you think? Well, to be honest with you, that no, I, I disagree, Fergus. And Alex is exactly right. Thank the Lord they fixed that VAR, right? They fixed that term. <laughs> But because you see, the thing is, you there, there's certain stipulations now. I can't remember who was talking about it on the telly. I was listening, Fergus. Mm. But you can't if you can't play one game without VAR and goal line technology, and the others with because the the result would, could, would look at the game. Our game, they, they would have had a penalty. They would have scored. The game would have possibly finished one all. And afterwards, everybody would have been saying, "Well, if they had VAR, the ref would have disallowed that." And if Arsenal lose the title by one point, you know, you're all you're opening all sorts of cans of worms. So I disagree with you, Fergus. No, I think they were right to to uh, wait for it. If they're going to use it, as much as I don't like it, they use it on every game or no games. So I'm glad they fixed it. I'm really glad they fixed it. I'm so, so glad they fixed it. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I'm open that they fixed it. Because it, 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 at the end of the day, it, it, it changed the decision in our favour. So, as an Arsenal fan, you've got to be pleased with that. No, 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 I, and, and I am, I am. But I, I, I would have thought, being the way Trev is, I would have thought you would have gone. Old yeah, more right, a bit of old school. Listen, we dominated the first half hour, and it wasn't until is it Sin, Sinestra from Leeds done a dangerous counter? Um, talk to us about that, Alex. Yeah, I mean, I think we controlled the. The first half pretty well, but he was dangerous on the counter attacks. Uh, Sinistera from Leeds, um, Sinistera, yeah, um, and he was like the main threat uh, during the first half. Uh, and then I don't know if we'll get onto it now, but in the thirtieth minute, we might have yeah. we might have had a goal, but we'll speak about that. Yeah, uh, Dan, what was your thoughts on the the opening half hour before we get into this uh, this slight controversial thing by the referee? Um, you know, you're 45 minutes, a couple of pints extra in, slightly full bladder. I'm thinking I need to be going to where I normally go at this point. But the game's just started and you had a half hour of, of, of quite strong performance we started, didn't you think? I was quite sensible and went in the little mini break, so I got in and out, so I was all right. But um, <laughs> yeah, to me, the way we started, I was quite pleased with. I don't expect us to be playing the same way we do at home, away from home at Ellen Road which is quite a hostile ground with a team that really wants to get in your face. In all fairness, I was probably a bit more surprised with Leeds and the, the way that they seem to set up and sort of even watching the game back. Leeds seemed to change the way they pressed in the second half compared to the first half. The first half, they, they, they did press us, but not sort of man for man. Sat deeper, yeah. Yeah, they sort of tried to set traps and, and, and obviously they had pinpointed specific players to sort of press onto when they got the ball. But, you know, second half, they really went man for man and got in their face. But I thought we controlled the game very, very well in the first half. We probably didn't create that many big chances, but I felt like we was always in control. And then, you know, a fantastic finish um, puts us one up, sort of going into the break. So couldn't have been happier at that point. And um, the, 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 the point, uh, Trevor, you, you might want to talk about this as well, because Alex uh, raised this when we were talking about what we talk about. And it's, um, I'm not going to put the audio on because otherwise we'll get done by the, 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 the police. But um, let's talk through this this one here. This is uh, 
29 minutes in, and I'm just going to kill the audio. 29 minutes in, and uh, the ball comes out uh, to Jesus. Um, this and, is the perfect uh, attack. Yeah, absolutely beautiful attack. It comes Blue right from the middle, right from the... There we go. Jesus could have gone down. Jesus could have gone down again. And the referee at that point, um, Trev, he um, he blew uh, for a free kick. And rightly so for a free kick. But he could have played advantage. And even Jesus went, Christ, play the mm. advantage. Why didn't you let me play the advantage? What do you make of that, Trev? What do you mean? What you mean? The re- in what way? In the re- you mean the referee? Did, or? The referee? And do you think the referee was right to to call it back? Do you, would you do you prefer the advantage to play to be played? In situations like that, Fergus, right? I don't have a problem with whatever decision the referee makes because I make allowances for human nature, and in that situation, he's playing what he sees, and he yeah, saw yeah, that he needed to for a free kick. So ideally, he wouldn't have done, but. It's, I'm watching a human being referee a game, so you make allowances. And I don't have a problem with that, to be honest, mate. It's uh, what will be, will be. It's Some of the VAR decisions, from my perspective, are different, as you know. But in that, if you're asking me about that specific situation, playing the advantage rule in the heat at the moment, he's got to give it as he sees it, you know. And he's not going to see it all every time because he can't look everywhere. And Dan spins out spins out from that that um, not long after, within two or three minutes, uh, Odegaard finds Saka, and from a really, 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 really tight angle, he scores in the top of the goal. And I think it's with his with his less favourite foot. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot of people actually, and, and the commentators when watching it back today said they thought it was poor goalkeeping. They should have saved it. I think it's a brilliant strike on his on his wrong peg. And he's finished it high into the net. And I think anywhere else, and the keeper saves it, he's put it in the one place that you wouldn't expect yeah. the keeper to be able to save it. I think it's a bit harsh on the keeper. I think it's a great strike. He's, you're so yeah, right, Dan. You're so mm. right, Dan. I mean, because if the goalkeeper stands up there and Saka puts it low, they're all going to tell him off for letting it go below him. Yeah. So he goes a bit lower and it goes above him. The, the goalkeeper's in a lose-lose there, Dan. You're so right, mate. I agree. Yeah. It, I think it's the, it's the only way you can finish in such, such a tight angle as well as just... Uh, in the top of the net, and it, it, the goal reminded me a bit about um, Ashaman's first goal for Arsenal, where he he dribbled uh, down the the line, and they were sort of a similar angle, and he just uh, rifled the top net as well, like Saka did. Yeah, to be honest, we 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 watched it downstairs in in in, in the lounge, and uh, I had some friends around because it wasn't shown on UK TV live, so you know. People got it on from various streams and sources and everything else. And even those were interrupted because sometimes when you find if an Arsenal game's not been shown live, a lot of the streams get chopped up and your your IP provider seemed to try and block as much as they can. So we, we had to jump around a little bit. But that Saka goal came in and I remember some of the guys sitting there gone, oh, he's missed. Oh, no, no, it's a goal. Because the angle was that tight, you couldn't believe that he could actually score from there. So a, a fantastic goal. We go in at halftime, 1-0 up. Um, Bamford's warming up at half time, and Bamford comes on in the second half. And um, Alex, to, to the introduction of Bamford, you know, he just changed it up. It was like a game of two halves. The, I think Trevor was talking about that. Our was it Trevor or Dan was talking about the the, the way that the they, they were set up in the first half leads. The way they set up in the second half was was absolutely completely different, and they had us mm. on the back foot. Yeah, it was like they played with an extra man because uh, their press was so intense. 
Um, and yeah, like you said, Bamford came on in, uh, during halftime and and he put the 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 ball in the back of the net in the what was it forty seventh minute, two minutes after the second half started. So um, I think it was a free kick. Um, I think it was fair enough the decision. Um, he did push. Uh, I, I can't remember if it was Saliba or Gabriel. I think it was Saliba in the back. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was a little push off, but um, I mean we might have been unlucky and the. <laughs> and and it would have been one one, and it would have been a different game. Uh, but yeah, I think Leeds played uh, tremendous uh, in the second half, and I don't think we ever like really uh, settled the game in the second half. We were always on the back foot of uh, Leeds, um, but yeah, it just shows the grit and determination. And yeah, I think we'll we'll speak about the the other uh, situations in the second half as well. Because that was a cra- crazy second half. Dan, the, the other situations is obviously the, the penalty that came up. Um, uh, Saliba, uh, what was he playing at? You know, he, he was playing some risky balls. We saw him do it in the Northern Derby where we thought, oh, wow, he's majestic. Where he's played the ball around and around in a player and, and, and cleared it out. And he is very, very... I've been just describing him a bit like that. He's got this matrix power that he can slow everything down and almost control everything. Even though everything has gone around in front of him, he's able to stop, control, take the ball, and then bang, everything resumes to normal play. But his matrix power went a little on that one, don't you think, Dan? Yeah, I mean, t- to be honest with you, we were sitting there in the crowd at half time saying, what a first half from Saliba. It felt like every time there was a chance of them getting in behind, he just was so calm, so collected, in control of the whole situation. And we're sitting there thinking, as we've said all season, what a centre-half we've got on our our hands. I think to criticise the lad will be a bit harsh. He's a very young lad and and young centre-halves make mistakes. Um, I think the first thing I noticed when I watched the second half was Bamford, every single time the ball went to a centre-half, sprinted towards them. And I think being put under that much pressure... I think gave him something a bit different that he hasn't had as much of so far. So there's there's obviously areas he needs to improve on. He's a, he's a young lad, but it's, it's a young back four, to be honest with you. Um, I also think that was, by the way, very unlucky on their ruled out goal. Um, if that was us and we had a goal ruled out for that, I'd probably be thinking mm. that they got it wrong. Yeah. And no, I, I think technically it's a foul. Um, I think it was Gabriel that he nudged. But I think it's very, very soft, if I'm totally honest. Yeah, I agree. Gabriel. Trev, what, what's your thoughts on, on, on the penalty, the, the nudge on Gabriel, um, uh, you know, and, and, and Saliba taking those risks? Is, that, is this an area that Saliba has to be aware of? Because as Dan said, nobody's really put him on that, under that much pressure before. And, you know, he's been... He's definitely been, you know, uh, a challenge to other teams in in the Premier League. Uh, and you're on mute, by the way. Um, he is he, you know, is this something he's got to keep an eye on? Done. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, no, I, I think that uh, I've got no issues with Saliba, Gabriel, and the 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 outside fullbacks as well. I've got no issue with any of them. I'm a lot older than you boys. Well, a little bit older than you folks, but a lot older than the young ones. So I can remember this is how it used to be, you know, 89 in particularly, you know, um, and 91. We used to, 
we should go and win goals, win games by the odd goal and soak up the pressure. And and if they got past our defence, we had a great goalkeeper that was going to make a save. We had a a seaman or a Lehman or a or a Luke eighty nine, you know, or you know, and that's that's the way the Arsenal played football. They were they had this knack of being able to soak up pressure and that game on Sunday, the second half very much reminded me of that. I mean, we did ride our luck, but that's what we used to do. The first penalty, if he'd have got it on target, Ramsdale would have saved it, and I'll leave it like that. The second penalty, when I first saw it, I don't know about you boys, especially you, Danny, in the ground. When I first saw it, I thought, oh, Gabriel, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because it looked terrible, you know. But when you watched it play back, it was a, the, bat, the, 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 the Bamford push sent him on his back and sort of maybe not as high as he got, but made him naturally raise his legs. And then, of course, Banford does what all strikers do nowadays and goes down like he's been shot. But fortunately, they fixed the VAR and, and, and it clearly showed it wasn't a penalty. So I've got no... I, I honestly... Take another 30 seconds, Fergus, um, on the same subject, but diversing a little bit. And I'm not having a go at her, and, and let me finish. So I'm not having a go at her. A young lady put a, a post on Twitter today, and she put, um, um, there's no way I can celebrate that crap win. So I saw that. I put underneath it, you know, they're exactly the kind of wins you should be celebrating because they're backs to the wall, gutsy, you know, never give up performances. You may be the second best team, but that team ain't going to get past you. I mean, you know, she did redeem herself a little bit later on with, with her tweets. And you can see she's an Arsenal fan and she hadn't really thought about it. But so generalising, if we're going to win the league this year or get close to it, we're going to have many more performances like that, you know, many more where our backs are to the wall and we're getting hammered. And it, th this is where we're different now. We're not going to fold. We're not going to capitulate. If a team scores against us, Ferg, they're going to score. They ain't going to get given no goal. They're going to have to work hard and get a goal, you know. And that's a massive difference for us this year. I just remember what she said, and she was bang on, bang on. She said Leeds on Sunday must have been feeling how we did against Man City at the Emirates last season when we battered yeah. them, didn't we? Done two one, and 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 she's absolutely nailed it. Leeds fans would have left that stadium so disappointed, but we're a good side now, and you can relate to that Man City result last season because we we just kept it together and we ground out a win, mate. Sorry, I've rattled on again and I'll go. No, 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 it's, it, it, it's absolutely fine. And Dan, just keep that point in mind because I just want to finish off the game and, and, and Arteta's interview. But you experience what Leeds fans were like after the game as well. And, and, and we can talk about that in, 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 in a nice sort of way. Look, the red card and the penalty, it, it, the, the Leeds pressure throughout that, that half was intense. If I'm honest, we got away with one. We got a 1 0. And the, 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 the VAR uh, decision, which was correctly adjudged uh, for the, the the red card and the penalty to be overturned. Um, Alex talked to me about the, the intervention with Chris Kavanagh. Uh, you know, um, mm. he, he was going to send off Gabrielle. Uh, talk us through that. And then I want to hear what the reaction in the ground was to that as well from, from you, Dan. First of all, I didn't understand why it could ever be um, a penalty because I thought it was a clear foul on Gabriel first. Um, so I, I couldn't see how how it was a penalty, uh, but I, I was like Trevor. I was kind. Of, I, my first reaction was like, "Oh, that's stupid from Gabriel. Why did he kick out and give the ref uh, the opportunity to give it?" Uh, but then you could clearly see like he didn't really hit him uh, when he kicked out, and he just 
he overplayed it too much, I think, <laughs> Bamford. Um, he should learn a bit from Kane because Kane's better at doing it. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm, I was very happy uh, <laughs> when the VAR intervened and I, when it went to VAR, I was sure it was going to be overturned. Um, and yeah, but I, you know what I the think... annoying th- you know what the annoying thing with me ab- about it was if it was going to be a penalty, and he was going to get a card. First of all, if you give a penalty, that's already uh, an award to uh, of an advantage to the opposition uh, player, yeah. opponent players. Double punishment. If you then give me, if you then give him a yellow card, that's a second infringement or yeah. pen- penalisation. But then, if you give him a red card, it's almost like a third. So, it's like, Jesus Christ, he didn't shoot weird. the guy, and it's just I, ridiculous. I think the ref kind of lost lost uh, grip on the situation. I don't think he really understood what was going on. Um, because I mean, if I mean it was just weird. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm glad we he got the right decision in the end. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to hear what what the reaction was on the ground uh, from Dan because that was just a it was just a crazy situation. And Dan, also yeah. when you're replying to that, Terry asked in the chat, why didn't Bamford get booked? Mm, yeah, I'm gonna disagree with both of you here to be honest with you because. I am not convinced on that 100%. My, my first view in the ground was never a penalty. And to be honest, I was quite confident that it, was get, it would get overturned. Um, the first thing I saw was a push from Bamford. So mm. straight away, I, I initially thought he was going to give a foul. Mm. So having VR in place, they got it right, in my opinion, in terms of the penalty. In terms of the red card, I think he's a very, very lucky boy. And... The rule is, with this whole double jeopardy rule, that if you go for the ball and you make a foul, you won't get sent off. He didn't go for the ball. He might have gone for a different ball, put it that way. But hmm. he didn't actually go for the ball. It was an off-the-ball incident. And you could deem it violent conduct. And now, although he didn't make contact with him, but as someone said in the in the chat, the Van Nistelrooy situation years ago with Vieira, you don't have to make contact with a player for it to be deemed violent conduct. You know, you don't actually have to physically hit a player. So I think we were very lucky that they overturned that, in all honesty. Um, I wasn't surprised they overturned the penalty, but I do think that that is a red card. And I think we got a lot of luck on our side there. Yeah. Listen, Dan, I've just, while Fergus is gone, I've just got to say something now. Um, I'm sorry Fergus has had to go away, but uh, he's getting on a bit now, you know, and he has to take these pills to stop him going to the toilet too often. And he's, he's, <laughs> gone, he's forgotten to take him today. So he's going to be going probably about every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 going back to what you said, Dan, it's, it's an interesting point. And when I first saw it, as you did, I thought to myself, that's violent play from Gabriel because it looked like he kicked up. But when you look at the replays and they slowed down and I looked at the replays again, I did change my view, mate, if I'm honest. I didn't think that Gabriel was being violent. I think he pushed it to the limit. I think it could have yeah. You couldn't have complained if he got sent off. But I think at the end of the day, the right decision was reached. Yeah, it, it was, was just cha- a, it was was cha- a little kick out, wasn't it? I think he just changed his mind. I thought, oh, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, but Steve F in the chat comes along and says, rem- reminded me of Beckham versus Argentina, like Simeone. You know, those sort of things have huge consequences and is violent conduct. And like what Trevor was saying, and and, sorry, Dan was saying, 
you know, looking at it from a different view, it, it may well, we may have well dodged the bullet and everything else. But that asked the question, because um, I was speaking to Rory, you, you all know Rory, I was speaking to Rory, my brother, and he was talking about um, a Gabrielle, and he said, is that the third game that Gabrielle has nearly come unstuck? Like yet against Tottenham, where he conceded the penalty against Liverpool, and now against Leeds. Um, I like the I like the fella, and before we had um, uh, Saliba, I rated him as probably our best centre half. Uh, when we were talking about captain material last season, and people talking about Odegaard, people talking about Shaka, people calling uh, for different people. I actually um, had Gabriel up there as captain material, but Dan. I, does he worry you? Your disgrace. No, in all fairness. And, and honestly, I, I, I put a note down here from watching it back earlier, is that, as I said, I think correct, no pen. I am surprised that the red was overturned. But I don't understand the criticism of Gabriel. Now, the last few games, he has, he has made some mistakes. I think, I think everyone makes mistakes. I yeah. actually think Gabriel in that game was fantastic. Up until the last point of added time, the, he put his body on the line, the blocks that he made. He wasn't the centre-half or the one in the defence making the mistakes. I actually thought he was fantastic. And he was a big, big part of the reason why we kept a clean sheet. Luck we, to it. An awful we, lot we, we will talk more on, on that side of it as well. But I'm just talking about overall this season. Trev, you said I'm a disgrace. I'm, it's not my opinion. I'm only asking the question but the question out there. I think it's Does a fair he question. You? Oh, listen, right. Gabriel, Saliba, Tierney, Tommy Asu, White. They're what our team has been crying out for, crying out for for seasons now. They're a solid, solid defence. You, you, you go back through the history of this podcast, right, in our bad times when we had this, this defence that couldn't defend against a team of nine-year-olds. I always said my view was that we need the best defences have a solid def- central defensive partnership, right? You know, you think about the best defences over the years. A solid, central defensive partnership that plays together. That's what we're getting with Gabriel and Saliba. And not only are we getting it, we're getting a young defensive partnership that is only going to mature and develop. And all of those five players, and if I've forgotten any of them, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking off the top of me quickly. They are the future of our club, right? They, they're what we've been crying out for. They're, an, they're a defence that will go to Leeds... Be under pressure for 45, 50 minutes, have their backs to the wall, give away penalties, give away free kicks, but not concede a goal because they somehow managed to get through the games. I forgot to mention the man of the match, Ramsdale, by the way, because when you've got a defence like that, your last line is so important. And I thought Ramsdale was epic on Sunday. Oh, mate, he put his nuts on the line, didn't he? Literally. That's how I see it first, you know. I didn't hear what you said then, thankfully, because you know it probably weren't funny. But... He, he put he put his nuts on the line, is what I said. Yeah, he did. Well, exactly, he did. Of course, he did, mate. <laughs> of course, he did. I can't call a bad word about any of our team, let alone our defence. But that defence is developing very, very nicely. But like Trevor, don't you think like when we go into Champions League next season, don't you think? Do you think like Gabriel is the man to take us to Champions League finals? And be the best in Europe. Do you think do you he, think he's not? Do you think he was able to do that? Do you think he's not? I don't know. I'm. 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 I think it's fair questioning him. Um, I think he has been the. I mean, he's he's been good this season, but he just he always has a mistake in him. 
Ter Terry in the chat says he worries about the ball over the top for it. Yeah, that's that's what happened at the Liverpool game. Yeah, and Man United. Yeah. yeah. To a certain extent, but don't forget yeah. the lad's twenty-four. He's he's a young lad. It, defenders and goalkeepers don't peak until sometimes they're thirties. That's true. Yeah, that's the true, average, yeah. every age to peak is twenty-eight, and defenders and goalkeepers are even higher. That's twenty-four years old. Mm. Let's put it this way, right? There's there's not many central defenders in the Premier League that I would swap Gabriel with, even with his faults. I know he's got faults, Ali. I know I he's agree. got faults. But there's not there's none I'd not oh, I don't know if, I can't think of any that I would actually swap Gabriel. Well, you, you got you got Van Dyke, but he's getting older as well, and I think I'd rather an emerging Gabriel than an aging Van Dyke. I, I mean, you, you look at the City defense as well. They make mistakes as well. They made a mistake uh, against Liverpool. So I mean, everybody makes mistakes, but I mean, I hope he, I hope he'll be the one Gabriel. I like him. And don't forget, they're a partnership. You know. Yeah, his weaknesses should be offset by Saliba's strengths, and I think they are. You know, Saliba is a lot better with the ball over the top. I think someone put it in the chat about worry the ball over the top. Saliba's very good at mopping that up, and Gabriel is very good at being the physical one they, attack. They complement yeah, each other. To learn to mature and pick his times. Sorry, guys, I, ju I just got a message through on my phone, a very important message from a young gooner uh, who's meant to be doing his homework, but he's actually doing the proper thing. He's watching Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Theo, ignore your dad. Just carry on watching Guns and Yellow Ribbons. <laughs> Do your homework afterwards and then, you know, just drop a little bit of TV and let's carry on from there. OK, that's just parental coursing done there. But um, yeah, listen, listen I, I, I think it, it, it is just a, it's a good debate and it's a good Good thing to to look at for uh, you know who were what 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 are you squirming at? Trev's really? pulling pulling a face. Trev's pulling a face. No, I, I think it's a good thing. Fergus, I was agreeing <laughs> with you. Yeah, he was. Okay. And, and Kevin, okay. That uh, Kevin there is absolutely nailed it. All defenders make mistakes. The team that makes less mistakes wins games, and at the moment absolutely. we're making less. I'm not picking on you, Alex, or Dan, or you, Ferg, for, but no. we're here to have opinions and different opinions make it a good debate, don't they? Exactly. And, and no, absolutely. I, I'm not unhappy with our defence at all. And the fact that we can bring Tierney off the bench, you know, or if we're playing if we're playing white at right back, we can bring Tommy Asu off the bench. They're versatile, aren't they? Oh, my word. That Tommy Asu, that Tommy Asu, they bring him in at, at left back, we're all petrified. He's he's played out of his skin. He's been fantastic, you know. Yeah. And then we switched him to right back. You know, last fifteen minutes of the game, we switched him to right back, and again he performed outstandingly in in, in right back. Listen, I I can ask you who you're with six added minutes and then another four minutes on top of that. So it was almost ten minutes added on onto that game, and it's getting more and more with the five substitutions and 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 various bits and pieces with VAR. It just seems to be that you've got to allow. Five minutes at least at the end of uh, probably both halves. So the game has now got to a hundred-minute game rather than a, a ninety-minute game, um, probably even more. But I'll ask you who your man of the match was. But that's probably an easier one to say. Would tell me, and this is I'm finding this every week. Tell me who's the player who needs to improve the most. Who was the the least performing player for you? And I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just saying because the, the, the team on the whole performed really, really strong and it's hard to, to differentiate on who's the best player. Trev, I'll go to you. Who, which player do you think needs to improve the most on that performance? Well, it, it's really interesting you should say that, Fergus, because 
I can tie in with that. I've written it down in, in my notes that you can tie that in nicely with, with Arteta's substitutions. Watching the game, I thought that when we had our backs to the wall, I thought that Odegaard and White looked tired. I thought they looked tired. I thought they were still putting in the massive effort, but I thought they looked like they'd run their socks off, not forgetting that both of those had played against Bodo on the Thursday. So yeah. they looked tired, and then what happens? Arteta agrees with me, and the first substitute he makes, he takes White and Odegaard off. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, we're quick enough to, to say that that Arteta made a mistake with his substitutions a few weeks ago, but I thought we got it bang on. I thought we got it bang on on Sunday. Dan, your thoughts on, on which player you think needs to maybe up, up his game a, a little bit? To be honest, I think I agree with Trayvon White and Erdogan looking tired. I also thought Gabriel um, Jesus looked a little bit injured. And I feel like Eddie needs a start on Thursday. Um I think it's hard to pick someone to improve because when you win nine out of your first 10 games and you've got a record sort of start in the Premier League, I don't think you can be digging too many players out that need to improve. Everyone can improve. And we're, we're not digging them out, Dan. We're not digging them out. We're, we're just trying to say, like, you know, it, it, it's almost impossible to dig a man in a match to a certain degree because there's sometimes eight or nine men in a match. match. Um, but it's just trying to look for that little thing. How can we move up to that next level? Yeah, but then I think everyone can be in that in that hat, and I think they should all be in that hat because as a team, we need to improve if we want to get to the next level. So I, I don't think you can pick an individual. Is is my point on that? Um, I think as a squad, we can improve. We can improve in terms of squad depth. We can improve. I think in maturity as a squad, but I don't think in terms of quality, I would pick a player out that needs to improve that much because I think we've got a lot of quality in that team. Alex. Um... Your thoughts on that, and then we'll we'll move on to um, other other football. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Dan. It's difficult to single out one player and say um, he hasn't done well enough or anything. But um, I mean, we're we're gonna do transfers um, when we look into the future, and I think um, a Shaker is someone at one point we're going to have to move on just because of his uh, age he's one of the older ones in the squad um so i think that's that's probably a, a position where we're going to look uh maybe i don't know maybe in um, january we'll look at buying a, a player to play in his position not instead of him but um just for depth um yeah that's that's kind of my view on it and man of the match, you, you, you said to me in your notes that you shared to me that um, mm. man of the match for you was between Gabriella Ramsdale and Ben's in there, in there saying uh, Ramsdale. Uh, uh, Dan talked about the, the stats on Gabrielle. 100% aerial duels won, four clearances, four blocks. Um, Alex, talk to me on who you're choosing man of the match and Aaron Ramsdale as well and his... Uh, Famous yep. book. I think they were they were the two standouts. Um, I think Ramsdale he he just edges it for me with his post match interview, where he was asked which one of his many brilliant saves was his favorite one, and he he answered the one with the nuts. So I, I mean, and and you, you see videos on social media as well after the game, uh, the way he is with the with the <laughs> Leeds fans. I just love it. Uh, he's just such a character. Um, and yeah, he just had a cracking performance. 
Uh, if anybody's been following this uh, podcast from the very start, I think when we were doing audio ones, it was Big Steve and Manny and so on. And there was one episode called "These Nuts," and honestly, <laughs> that could have been this. That could have been this episode. So you're going for Ramsdale as your man of the match, Dan. Can I have your man of the match and then Trev? Yeah, I think I think based on the, the standout saves he made, it's got to be Ramsdale. I, th- I think Trev hit now on the head a bit earlier when he said, you know, back in the day when they did breach our defence, we had a fantastic goalkeeper that would make saves, and we definitely had that yesterday. His his uh, sort of interaction with the Leeds fans was brilliant. The way yeah. he came out at the start and straight away, you could just see him smiling towards the Leeds fans like he was. He, he just loves it. The, the boy loves giving it to the opposite team. Isn't he from Sheffield? He's from Sheffield or somewhere like that. He's a Yorkshire lad, anyway. So he, he it's like yeah, local sure. bants, anyway. But he, you know, even after the penalty in Bamford's face straight away after mm. the game again, love it straight in front of the fans. Fantastic. I think for me, he was the the man of the match. I do think that man again for me, Granite Jacker, was a close second, and I think he was very very underrated in that game. But he did. An awful lot of what was good about our team in the first half in terms of off the ball, sitting on their player in front of their back four and stopping them from playing out. And I think second half, when they sort of broke our lines a bit more, he had to drop in alongside Partey and that sort of nullified that a little. But um, also, another leader's performance there from him, I think, I think on the, on Sunday. Um, clearly, uh, Trull's been Norwegian. Um, I think Odegaard could be at home in London Conley uh, cleaning out the showers and he'd still be man of the match for you, Odegaard. Listen, I'm a very loyal and very, very pa- uh, passionate Irishman and I would be the exact same as Truls was if Liam Brady, uh, and I didn't get to see Liam Brady play like um, Trevor did. I saw him occasionally playing for Ireland when I was a young kid, but if Liam Brady was in that very same position... He um, was my dad's favourite player Liam. back then. Yeah, Liam Brady, man of the match. Liam yeah. Brady, man of the match. Uh, uh, we're not in the 1970s. Uh, we're in 2022, uh, Hilsey. Um who was don't your man of the match me. and why? Don't remind me, Fergus. Time is going so quick, mate. Look, Ferg, man of the match, we just raised the man of the match subjects, and I'm loving talking with these youngsters tonight and yourself because some of the points we're making are so good. And, and, me. <laughs> and, and, and What's happening is that we're picking it to pieces, but we've got, we're trying to find something level headed to say, but we're struggling to pick fault, you know, because we really are a good side at the moment. I think that Dan is exactly right. The only thing, none of my, none of the players worry me that we've got now. I'm very happy with every single one of them. I do worry about the squad depth. I worry if we lose a defensive midfielder, and I worry if we lose a striker. Um, that that worries me greatly. Um, see Ramsdale. Ramsdale is a proper Arsenal. He's only been at Arsenal a couple of seasons, but. They're just a family that, that look after their own. I mean, Ramsdale's parents, his mum, his dad and his sister, were in with the away fans on, on, on Sunday, yesterday. No corporate for them. They were in with the away fans cheering the boys on. And I love it. And, and Ramsdale does have a certain um, affinity with the Leeds fans, doesn't he? I think we should leave it there, you know? And the, but the Leeds fans, see, that's another thing. As long as that second half went on, Ferg, and Leeds are putting the pressure on. Fans at Ellen Road are, are, are some of the best on the planet. 
Some of the best on the planet in them lease phase, they're like a 12th man and they lifted them and we still held out. But for me, man of the match, man of the match, definitely Ramsdale for me. Definitely. Um, I, I personally, I'm going Ramsdale because you know the, the goalkeepers get an awful lot of stick when they do something wrong. They deserve a credit when they do something right. My close second was the goal scorer, um, a great goal, um, Bako Osaka. Uh, I, I think it was excellent. Listen, what we're going to do is have a, a quick uh, look at um, a couple of video clips. We've got um, uh, one from Inside Ellen Road. Top of the league, uh, you know, you can't say any more than that. And uh, then uh, a bit towards, um, we'll do uh, Arteta's interview. While this one is uh, playing, it's about two or three minutes long. Um, Dan, talk to us about just the general feeling around uh, how it was being at Ellen Road. Unmute yourself, mate. Yeah, I um, it was a real, real nervy, nervy game. <laughs> Realise that slowed down then. Uh, a, real, a real nervy game, and I think you could you could definitely feel the nerves in the in the uh, in the stands. But um, I wouldn't say the Leeds fans were any better than we are at home. I really wouldn't. Now they they are very vocal and good fans. Um, questionable about the type of fans they are, but um, keeping it football, I think this year we've been just as good and, and if not better. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say... I, I thought, you, I, I thought the, the, where, where I was getting to is not necessarily how vocal they are, because Leeds are all, always vocal and for such a small ground, it makes a huge amount of noise and some of those smaller, older grounds do make more and more noise. It was more um, along the lines of myself and Trev said to you, like you wear your flag and you're very vocal and you don't care where you are, sing a song, walking down the street in Manchester, it's all kicking off around you and you'll still sing, uh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you'll sing whatever, wherever. Uh, You didn't feel as comfortable around Leeds doing that, did you? No, I mean, before the game, fine. Um, Up until the game, I think it was okay. I was very aware that the atmosphere sort of felt like it changed on the way home. And um, yeah, just trying to be a bit more sensible than normal and, uh, not singing the whole way home. And, and you know, as I said to you, there was a bit of trouble on the train home as well, where um, a bit of an application with an Arsenal fan and uh, a Leeds fan. But um, Leeds fan, yeah. the, the fans on the train were obviously had a lot of beer, was very agitated with the uh, the score. And um, yeah, just trying not to unnecessarily agitate him even more. Because uh, as we say, that the whole point of going out for the football is to enjoy it, to, to get behind your team, have drinks with friends, and, and then at the end of the day, to get home safely. So that's the main thing. Yeah, no. Listen, let's have a listen to Mikel Arteta and his post-match speech. He talks about Bodo and, and, and a few other bits and pieces. Only a few seconds long. Team, uh, Good teams find a way to win whatever. You must be delighted with the resilience we showed today. 100%. I think in any context, every three days, you have to be able to do that. In Norway, after travelling, playing in AstroTurf, in really difficult conditions, changing a lot of players, come here... Uh, and do it again uh, is very tough, and um, and that should give the, the boys belief. 
It's the first time in the club's history they've won nine of the first ten top flight games. You must be really happy with that little piece of history. Absolutely. And uh, again, it shows today we need a bit of luck, but um, for me it's not luck. There is uh, something behind this team, something behind the spirit of everybody that is involved in this team that uh, that gives that extra thing. That That's why good things happened. And uh, you can see again our crowd, how good they are with, with the boys. It's just a pleasure to, um, to be part of this. Um, team. Uh, team. A, a, a brilliant uh, little um, uh, interview there from Tottenham, touching back on like playing on that difficult surface in in Bodo. Um, it's quite tiring and everything else. Touching on the nine out of ten games, it's not the first time in our history we've done it in 1904, 1905, but that would have been uh, would we have been Woolwich Arsenal then? Still, Trev, you were around, so I don't know, but I can look it up. I can look it up in a few seconds. <laughs> When was it 19? When, what, Nineteen Season 1904-1905 is the last time we won nine out of ten games. And there's another another uh, fact that comes out of this is Arsenal managed to claim the fourth clean sheet uh, away from home in the campaign. Um, you know, I predicted 3-1 because I wasn't confident. I was confident of scoring goals, but I wasn't confident of keeping clean sheets. Uh, briefly, because we've really overran on this one, um, uh, Dan, did, did you think we were that good away from home keeping clean sheets? No, in all fairness, and, and you know, sort of contrary to what Arteta said in the interview, I think there was a lot of luck behind that on on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. um, we we needed a lot of luck, um, as you do, so to get anywhere in 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 the Premier League. So um, maybe it's a good omen. Let's take it in in that sense. I think. Yeah, there, there was a there was a, another interview where um, I think it was for Sky or BBC, and he said he was glad they sorted out the power and they sorted out the VAR, and he had a little bit of a smile about that. Listen, um, we uh, Liverpool uh, beat Manchester City one nil, so we remain invincible. Uh, thank you very much. Ours is gold. Sod the rest of you. Thursday night uh, we've got PSV as the early game. We, uh, it's an Amazon night on on Thursday night in the Premier League. Uh, we're the only team that are not playing in, in the Premier League. We've got Man City deferred till the new year. Uh, and we play PSV. Otherwise, it would have been forfeiting and everything else. Trev, Dan, we're going to that game. Alex, we'll bring you in in a second. We're going to that game the following week in, in Holland. It's a huge game, this one for us in the Emirates, because we're going into it with nine points. PSV are going in with seven if we win the game, the tie is done. We go through as winners. We avoid the last 32. Uh, are, Trevor, are you confident that we can go in and... and what's the, why am I asking you? You're just going to go, yes. Um, <laughs> are you confident that, that we're going to go and win this game? And, and, and Look at the man. Uh, Ferguson, you... there's a reason I'm confident, mate. There's a reason. Firstly, you've not asked me about the interview with Arteta. What a man. What a manager. He doesn't have to make anything. It's cool, guys. Right? That's what he says. What's he say? He says, let's go, guys. Let's fucking go, guys. (laughs) Right, anyway. I'm confident because we've got depth in our squad and we've got good players to come in. And they're not as good as our frontline players, but they're still good enough to beat PSV Eindhoven on the night. We learned on Thursday in Bodo that we've got a quite a good replacement goalkeeper in Turner. Seems to be growing into the role very nicely. Played really well. And I think that at, at the Emirates, the Emirates is sold out again. A few seasons ago, we were playing 
Europa, Europa Cup ties at home in front of crowds of 25, 30,000. You know, Correct. that's where, that's how far we've come on. We, we've, it's a full house. They'll be behind the lads. It'll be a massive atmosphere again. And uh, I can see no right reason why we shouldn't win. And, and just at the moment, I'm just going to show this. Do you know what, Tom? It was that bad of an impression. I didn't have a clue who we were talking about, to be honest with you. Thanks for the support, Tony. That's why I just moved on. You know, you see bloody Danes, Tony. You can't, you know, <laughs> you can't talk. It's Sunday, big time, by the way, mate. You're, uh, you're in the back, so no whispering sweet nothings in me ear, mate. Tony's just in a bad mood, to be honest. He's got your photo photo in his wallet, so, you know, he'll know what you look like. (laughs) Not me, because I'd have got the... Oh, I nearly swore then. I'd have got the question (laughs) right. Obviously getting to you. Obviously getting to you. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Alex, I'm with you. Tony's just obviously in a bad mood. He dug out my singing the other day as well, so... Oh, yeah. He's just negative, isn't he, Tony? Yeah, I know, he's, I know he's a big lump, but we're on the internet, so I can say what I like. <laughs> Dan, th- th- thoughts on the PSV game? Confident got into it, and uh, give us your give us your, your score prediction. I saw I'm waiting for Tony's reply in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> I think that one's aimed at me, mate. To be honest, poking me in the ear for an hour and a half—that sounds quite erotic, really. I've looked forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> This is taking a twist, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you're, stuck, you're, stu- you're stuck between the two of them on Sunday as well. <laughs> I'm not into that, I'm afraid. Sorry. <laughs> I am um, back to the football. <laughs> I think, yeah, quite confident for PSV. Um, I, I think he'll go a strong lineup, and I don't think he'll make that many changes, if I'm totally honest. And I think I would agree with that. I think at home, let's make sure we take those three points home and then make sure we can rotate for the other games. I think, as Trevor said, Turner will come in. I think Tierney will come back in, and I think Holden will come back in. Other than that, I'd probably go a very strong midfield against PSV. I think Partey, Jaffa, and Erdegaard I would start. I think I'd probably give Saka a rest, and I'd give Gabby up top a rest, but I'd probably start Martinelli as well. So I think a very. What's he running about now? <laughs> no, no. It, 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 it was more Tony's comment, Tony Gillespie's comment. That was uh, hilarious. Is, is this a grinder chat? Just so people who are listening, so people are listening on the audio, and people who don't know what there's some in talking here. Basically, Trevor and I are are travelling down in my car um, to the Southampton game, and because of the lack of trains and, and engineering work and everything else, Dan's going to come here, Hoggy's going to come here, and Big T. So it's going to be the five of us in the car. Just no beans beforehand. <laughs> no beans. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Dan, uh, sorry, Alex, because um, I say it's Danish on there, that keeps on making me go down. Uh, Alex, your thoughts on uh, the prediction for the PSV game. And is there any particular players that you think we need to be worried about in the PSV side? Yeah, I mean, I'm confident like the other guys, but they are a very, very good team, uh, PSV. They've scored um, 17 goals the last four games. Um, and they have a player called Cody Gakpo, who is very good. Mm. Um He's the player in Europe who's um, scored and assisted the most goals this season. So um, he's probably going to cause us a bit of trouble, but um, I'm still confident that we're going to get the win and seal the uh, top spot in the the group. And your score prediction? 
Um, I'll go for two one, two one Arsenal with with Gagpo Dan, scoring. did you give a score? Dan, did you give a score prediction? Sorry, I didn't. No, I didn't actually. Um, I'll go two one. I think it's gonna be a tight game, but I think we'll win. Okay, Trev, a thoughts on PSV and, and and your any fears if you've got any and your score prediction. Well, you know me, Fergus. When it comes to the opposition, I struggle to uh, to know anything about them, and, and I'm glad Alex has joined us because he manages to to level it up a little bit. But I honestly think that we're going to win comfortably. I'm I'm hoping it'll be a three 0 to the Arsenal, and uh, we trot off to Eindhoven in a very nice position. And 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 on that on that note, I, likewise, I I hope the same. But I I'm not as confident as you are in Turner. Uh, I'm thinking it's going to be a really tight game and it'll be a 2-1, or even a 1-1. But if it is a 1-1, then it's all down to the Eindhoven game. And Eindhoven is going to get a bit spicy if if, if they've got some, you know, some uh, something in the race that if it's all down to that last game, Eindhoven, what do you reckon, Trev? It's going to be, it's going to, it's going to be a spicy place if that's the case, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's going to be a bit lively. It's going to be a bit lively, Fergus. But you see... I mean, I'm not afraid of any of these teams, Fergus. Far from it, actually. My confidence would be high with the Arsenal playing any team in the world right now, if I'm honest, if I'm really honest. But if we finish second in the group, it looks like we're going to get um, possibly Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Juve, mm. all dropping down into the uh, into the Europa League, which is another debate entirely as to why they do. Um, Can't agree with it, but yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, they're all going to drop down. So finishing top of the league would just make our path maybe a little bit more comfortable. Um, so yeah, let's if we if we don't if we if we draw or lose to Eindhoven on on Thursday, mate. You're right, Fergus. It's going to be very spicy in in Eindhoven next Thursday, and it's going to be a very interesting game. But faith in our players, faith in our players, faith in our great club, and I, I, I'm I'm in my head we're winning on Thursday. I'm, in my head we're winning on Thursday. Overall, I think we'll get out of that group, top of the group, and I think we have to. As I said to you before when we chatted on here, and I think also on the phone, um, the important thing is to finish top of that group because we've got Everton and, and Man City games to carry over, and then if we do end up dropping in as second in the group, we've got two extra games to play against one of those teams, that you, possibly one of those teams you're talking about, and and, and we don't need that. That's, that's, that's four games on top of the already, and and I don't, I can't remember which one of you said. Oh, we, I think it was Trev. We we've got depth. We don't have depth. When you look at depth, you look at Man City, you look at Liverpool, you look at what those squads have. We have a great starting eleven. We've got probably ten or 15, 20 players, but we don't have as much depth as those other players. And as we go past the World Cup and into in, later into the new year, I think we can be top by the World Cup. But there afterwards, it's where it gets tough for all those competi- competitions converge together. You've got the FA Cup and the League Cup starting again as well. Uh, so I think it's going to be really difficult. And then Sunday, just briefly touching on it, Sunday, uh, we go away to Southampton. Trevor, it's a tough place for us to go to. It's a bit of a bogey team. Uh, we went there last year. Um, I went with Martin, my son and I, and uh, we dominated that game. And uh, Forster had the game of his life. He he was like the cat, the Batman. He was he was everything. He he saved anything and everything that was going. He even saved the world, I think, at one point from climate change. And I don't know. He, he just seemed to save everything. Um, where, are, 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 that, are that Southampton, a worse Southampton? Are you confident going down there on Sunday? Do you know what, Ferg? I'm getting quite worried with this podcast tonight because I'm agreeing with you a lot. You've not upset me hardly at all. <laughs> it's... Uh, it's uh, 
it's quite worrying that we're not, that we're getting on tonight. We're not like the old married couple we normally are. Firstly, <laughs> mate, Fergus, you can't move on because you absolutely nailed it just now when you said about the World Cup break. And, and, and that's what's worrying me a little bit greatly is that if we continue this run through October and into November, and there's no reason why we shouldn't, and we've got momentum and we've got, we're playing well and, and we're going week to week to week and winning games, that all stops for six weeks. So any momentum we have is gone then and we start the season again on the 26th of December, you know, and, and it's such a shame because that, that's not going to do us any favours. I mean, if we lose our next four games, it's going to do us a massive favour. But if we continue as we are and keep winning, then it's not going to do us any favours. As for Southampton, Fergus, it's interesting, mate, because what have Southampton done in previous seasons? They've realised where our weaknesses are and they've absolutely bullied us off the park. They've had big players up against our tiny defenders. They've had big players up against our tiny midfielders. And they've absolutely bullied us off the park and beat us. And one thing I know for certain is that on Sunday, they won't bully us. If they beat us, it won't be because they've bullied us. So I go to Southampton full of confidence that we can nick a win. Always a hard game, but to be honest, I'm confident every time I see the Arsenal run on the field at the moment. And it's lovely, eh? It's lovely to have that feeling of knowing that we can go in every game and not worry about losing, thinking we're going to win. Yeah, so Sunday, Fergus, we're not going to get bullied like we have done in the past. Southampton is a difficult team to go and play, but absolutely I'm confident we can come away with the points. Dan, um, <laughs> you took the last seat in the, in the carriage, so you're in the middle um, on, on, on the way down to, uh, down to Southampton. Obviously, you're looking forward to the journey. Uh, can, I, can I get uh, the boot instead? You can, yeah, yeah. You just bring a little water bowl and a blanket, and we'll just stick yeah. you in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we can say we, we'll call you a red setter. Maybe that that will work, wouldn't it? Capo <laughs> in the boot, that would do. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what's your thoughts on Sunday? I think just quickly before Sunday, I don't always actually agree with the whole World Cup break being an issue. The way I would see it is if we're still top by that World Cup break and I'm a player, I'm buzzing to get back into that team to keep on. So the whole of that World Cup, I'm looking forward to coming back and, and trying to win the title. So I'm not too worried. I, I actually think a break at a certain point in time would do us a favour because the only thing I would say at the moment is we're starting to look a little bit leggy and we've still yeah. got a lot of games coming up in a short period of time. So some players... And we don't have as many players playing regularly at the World Cup as some. That could also work to our advantage. So I think it swings and roundabouts, if I'm totally honest. Um, but on, on Sunday, it has always been a tough place for us to go. And it's not always been a place where we've got fantastic results. But as you said, I think in previous years, we've been bullied. I don't worry so much about us being bullied nowadays. And the only thing I worry about is a side like Southampton is out of form will always have a little bit of an upturn. And it always seems to come against us. But I do think we've got enough quality to to win there. You know, we should be saying, going to Southampton, top of the league, we're going there for three points and nothing else. So I, I do think we'll come out for a win this time. Uh, to be honest, I, I agree with you a bit on the World Cup thing. Um, I was talking to Big T actually on the way down because um, he was uh, reminding me of um, uh, Trevor's... Um, TV appearance on that quiz show. Um, so, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> look, it's a spitting image. <laughs> uh, 
and and, and we were we were we were talking about uh, the World Cup, and as T said in 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 the comments, he talks about Smith Rowe coming back, and uh, also the, some of those players. It's not in the World Cup, although it's a tournament, it's not as intense as the Premier League, Europa League, and all the cups as well together. It's tournament training, and it's almost like warm, warm. Uh, weather training to them to a certain degree. They're going to have that crappy period of of the winter, the November period, playing in Dubai or in Abit, you know wherever it is, Qatar, uh, playing in, in in the sunshine. Maybe you might do them some favors, um, Alex. Did you want to finish up on your thoughts on uh, the world? <laughs> Don't blame me. It was you, you Tony. You, I tell you what. <sighs> I was going to say you're buying the beers on Sunday, but that's no point because I'm driving because I can't have any. Uh, you're buying the beers the next home game. Um, Alex, your thoughts on, on um, Sunday's fixture? Uh, yeah, I think that... And are, thing... you bu- are you booking tickets with, for you and Dad to fly over and get a car? I'm going to find out after the podcast. I'm going to look into it. Um, okay. But yeah, I think the only thing that worries me is the history of the fixture because it has always been a difficult game for us. Um, but I, I, yeah, and they they have been a bullish team, but I don't think they are as much anymore. When you look at their midfield, uh, last game they played with um, Ward Prowse and uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles in the midfield, so they don't have these big, tall, uh, bullish players in the midfield, um, which hopefully will see us dominate uh, the game more and take control of it, like we like how we like to do it, um, and yeah. I am confident, but like like Dan said, it always seems like when they when they have a swing, it's always against us. Um, but yeah, I, I really hope we get the win, and I'm confident as well. Uh, score prediction, Alex. Um, I'll go three nil to Arsenal. Good boy, Dan. Yes, Dan. One nil to Arsenal. Trev. I'm going to go with with our Danish gooner friend Alex. So I'm yes. going to go three nil to the Arsenal. Come on, Trev. I'm gonna go three one to the Arsenal. I'm 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 still not convinced on that um on on that keeping the clean sheet. But listen, the stats proved me wrong. We've had four clean sheets, so guys, you, you you're probably right. There's other people in the chat um giving their predictions. In particular, we got Theo Ritchie, he put his prediction in earlier. Um glad to see you listen to um your Arsenal uh fans and you ignored your dad. And you're not doing your homework, but you are going to do your homework after the show finishes. Um, but keep watching and click that subscribe button, Theo. We love it. We love it. And we'll I'll see you at the North Bank the next time you're down. Make sure your dad makes you uh, come down more often. There you go, Theo. Two nil on Sunday. There we Good go. Um, Good luck. We're going to have a road trip. Uh, the last time I had a road trip, uh, I had Catherine Jenkins being played at us. I had all sorts of weird, dodgy punk music being played to us. Um, and this fella was driving, but he did sing this song. So hopefully we have a bit of this on the way down. Good old man,
has that got you going again? Are you crying already? <laughs> well, you know what? I, honestly, and I know you'll you'll back me up here. I, I had no idea you were filming me when I was driving. I was concentrating, driving on the wrong side of the road. We just got into Switzerland, but I absolutely love that clip, mate. And and I adore Louis. I, I can't go tomorrow night. Louis, oh, excuse me, Wednesday night. Louis Dunford's live in Ivory on Wednesday night, and I can't go. But I have no problem yeah, with you showing that, man. It, it gets me emotional. Gets the old man. Well, Macy airs on what's left of the airs on the back of my neck stand on him. Brilliant. Fergus, before we well, go, right? yeah. listen, just one thing to say. And you three boys, you don't have to listen to it and you you do it. Just guys, listen, celebrate every Arsenal win, right? Every it don't matter how they come. It don't matter if we give away seven penalties and we, we save them all and we win one nil. It doesn't matter how we win. Celebrate every single win. Yeah, and I'm not having a go at anybody there. I'm just saying enjoy it. The ride, it won't last forever. Peaks and troughs football. So while we're up there, enjoy every second. Celebrate every goal. Celebrate every big tackle. Celebrate every win. We're Arsenal. We are the Arsenal. Let's love our team while we're top of the league, eh? Well done, mate. Well said. And yeah, yeah it should be. We, 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 uh, see you Thursday, Theo. Block five, block six. Uh, and I'll tell you what, you, you keep an eye out for, um, let's see, keep an eye out for this. You've seen him before. Capo Dan, the flag man. you got score guy. Now we've got flag man. <laughs> I, uh, I bumped into a guy at Leeds that sent me that picture. God knows how he stood there and took such a good picture. Obviously, I do take a good picture, so I'm not surprised. But he... Um, <laughs> He must have had that camera on me for quite a while. It's quite. Yeah, that, that, that was that, that was that was Char. That was Char. Char was with me, and he introduced himself. He's um, is it North Bank? Uh, Char, put in the chat. What, what I can't on, on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you, I started following him as well. Some brilliant photographs, and he used a thirty-five yeah. mil camera, and just sits there. It was him and a, there was another guy there, and they were they were doing uh, some photographs. And they're not using they're not using one of these. They're using old school uh, cameras and everything else. Chan, yeah. stick your Instagram in in the chat, please, mate. We'll stick it up there. Um, Can you get? Uh, yeah, that's right. Lower Northbank, Lower Northbank, and have a look at some of it. It's brilliant. There's also the clock end guy. That, that, that there's uh, there's there's quite a few. Uh, um, artists on there. Um, it's called CCTV. Well done. Um, <laughs> I'm in trouble. There you go. Uh, 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 sorry, Trevor. At, at, at Lower North Bank. Um, it was really good to meet you, Chan, uh, last week. And uh, yeah, some good photographs. And some 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 of the other guys have took some photographs. It's really good. And it's good that you're one watching this and two coming around to see us what we're trying to do in the in block five block six i know it's it's, it's right around in in pockets around the around uh the the stadium but we're just we're, we're trying to do this just lads having a beer having a laugh and, and enjoying yourself and doing exactly what trev said enjoying the moment because i'm loving this season i'm absolutely loving it i'm i'm, I'm not talking to people as much as I used to talk to outside of my Arsenal family and Arsenal sphere, it's it's just like all consuming. It's just unreal. I speak to these guys, I speak to all the others on chat, and I speak to you guys more than almost I speak to my wife. I'm after twenty nine years. Um, <laughs> right, my I'm going to shut up rambling. By the way, very quickly, uh, Chan. Obviously, good meeting you in Leeds, and I'm very sorry. I am firstly, I'm terrible with names and faces at the best of times. I'm even worse when I've had a few beers. And um, I'm just pumping into so many faces at the moment. But honestly, absolutely loving everyone that's joining in with us. And uh, 
everywhere we go at the moment, just people seem to say hello and get involved and just keep doing it. Come and have a beer with us and come and get involved. Bloody hell. God, I didn't have oh, that. <laughs> No, well, I'm going to find it. Who was it? Oh, it, it was a guy called Steve. Very sorry. <laughs> you are very bad with names, I must say. Bloody oh, Dan, look at face, Danny boy. Good luck. There you go. There you go. D- D- Dan, your face has got Moroccan sunset. It's the same colour as your honest, hair right now. I, I've rehearsed that and I just nailed that spot on. So, you know, yeah. on to the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, this this is what we do. This, this is unrehearsed. It's, it's, it's unscripted. I'm nothing. We're just like... Four guys having a giggle, having a laugh, enjoying your company. Uh, if you like what we do, I put it up before. Click, um, click on that bell on YouTube. If you're watching on Facebook, I know a few of you are on Facebook. Just pop over to the YouTube channel, hit the bell, and, and subscribe. Uh, we're getting close to our target. We're up to nearly 800 now subscribing. We're trying to get to a thousand before Christmas, before the uh, before the World Cup break, ideally, but before Christmas, uh, I'd like to get to a thousand. So, um, click on that on that bell on there, and just uh, thanks very much for watching, guys. Thanks for uh, joining in, guys. I'll see you on on some on Thursday. I'll see the others on on Sunday, and um, uh, hopefully, if the flights allow, uh, we might even see the Danish Gooners over having double parked and shit beers. Yeah. Hopefully. Up the Arsenal. You've been listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons and Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too. 